what's going on, everybody? It's Thursday. Welcome in. We are here with another episode of All Canadian. Wade Zanketa, Connor O'Neill, and the Edmonton Elks are absolutely cleaning house. Everybody's been fired. We finished wrapping up the podcast and Edmonton dropped that news on us. So we had to wait a couple days to talk about it, which is probably, I mean, in retrospect, a good thing because we probably would have been bouncing off the walls if we were talking about that when it first happened. Yeah, probably good little bit to simmer Edmonton cleaned house like Elizondo everyone (laughs) everyone up pretty much uh well I mean like Ian Murray wasn't gonna fire himself I know but this leaves Wally Buono as the de facto interim GM with nobody to really general manage except for the hires so Mm. it's up to him for the well yeah that's like your Edmonton Elks yeah I was watching so I watched because I'm an absolute crazy person I watched the presser with Ian Murray, all 20 minutes of it. Lovely. Let me tell you, it was dry. It <laughs> was dry. So basically what Buono is going to be doing is uh, basically what he's going to be doing is he's going to be in charge of hiring the, the new GM and then he's kind of out. Um, they did joke. Somebody joked. They asked like, oh, why don't you just hire him? And why don't you just hire Wally as the GM? Um, Ian Murray then bluntly said, kind of laughed he gave like a half laugh and he's like oh well uh we did talk about that he doesn't want to do it so <laughs> the discussion has been has been held but uh he would rather just help edmonton find a gm rather than you know be the gm uh, wait, i mean so after 2021 I, can't, I don't blame him yeah i don't blame him but uh no they they really clean house and i mean i was shocked to see them go this far with it i was like oh damn that's a lot of Basically, like I didn't think that, like Elizondo, I thought they'd give another year. That's the one that I was like, "Oh, okay." I mean, yeah, but if you're, time, if you're like, yeah, if okay. you're firing everybody, you might as well fire everybody. Yeah, because then it wouldn't be his like he wouldn't be the GM's pick for coach, so it'd be yeah, it'd be a mess. But with that being said, we got well, what happens to Nick Arbuckle in all this now? Though he's under contract, they can either trade him or they can play him. I would play. You can't not play him. No, you've got to play him. That might have been also the final straw, too. I, I think I saw a rash tweet this out. Like, the ultimate, like, dumbassery of this all was that they traded for him, they signed him to an extension, and they didn't even see a single snap of him. And to me, that was like, yeah, pretty much. Like, that kind of sums up how stupid this regime was. Yeah, no. Brock I, I, Genius. Well... Also, let's give... He can uh, be a genius, but he's not a GM. Nope, there is no M in genius. Uh, but let's talk playoff football in the CFL. We have the Owls traveling to the Hammer for a blackout. I like Montreal in this one. Really? We haven't even said the line yet. I don't even know. You're already taken like Montreal. Montreal. I don't even know the line. I like Montreal. At plus four. Montreal yes. is a plus four underdog in Hamilton. You like Montreal on the road. Yes, I've seen Trevor Harris hurt the Hamilton Tiger Cats too many times in the playoffs to not go with him on this one. Wade's Wagers is back. I'm giving the lines out today. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, based on what we saw out of Hamilton in a must-win game against Toronto, they don't give me much uh, much reason to have faith in them right now. I like what, I like. I do like your point about Trevor Harris and you know his veteran experience and playoff experience. But, but like, okay, so yes, Montreal has this 
pretty electric offense, right? I mean, Trevor Harris has looked good throwing to Geno Lewis and Jake Winicky and, you know, the rest of that cast, BJ Cunningham, BJ Cunningham, but does, does Hamilton's defense not scare you? I know they didn't play up to what they were postered as in that Toronto game, but like, it's still a good defense. I mean, Simone Lawrence and company are still damn good. Like, do they not scare you against a Montreal three seed at this point? No, no. I, I mean, yes, they, they do, but at the same time, they've been so inconsistent that in this year that it's like, I, I think it's more going to be Trevor Harris just picking apart a defense he's familiar with, with a ton of underneath stuff, which is super uncharacteristic for Montreal. That's what he's done year in, year out with other teams. And now it's like, okay, so he comes in with the receivers that he has. No need to even name names because, let's face it, Jake Winicky and the gang are here. Uh, <laughs> I just think he's going to death by a thousand cuts. And then I feel like Mazzoli's just not going to have time or he's going to make a bad error that's going to kill them. You know what's crazy about all this? We haven't even put, mentioned William Stanback's name yet. I know. Like, I feel like I, I'm, I think I'm coming around to the, on this with you. Like, I, I think the more that we talk about this, the more that I'm convincing myself because, yeah, like, cool. Hamilton's secondary is very good. Uh, they get their hands on the ball a lot. I believe they were one or two in PBUs on the season and they finished one or two in interceptions. So, yeah, they're, they're very good at covering downfield, but. So what you take, you take, let's say you take Gino Lewis and Jake Winnicke away. That's still going to leave, like you said, the underneath stuff with some of their slot receivers. And then they have William Stanback, who is one of the best running backs we've seen in the last two, three years. Yeah. Outside of Andrew Harris. I mean, yeah. 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 So, so I don't know how you stop Montreal. Yeah. I guess I agree. Montreal. You hope that they miss the deep ball. You hope they miss the deep ball. That's how you beat Montreal. Is Trevor Harris missing a deep shot, though? Yeah, because it's just not a high completion throw. Then, uh, like, that guy pins them. (laughs) He's good at throwing the deep ball. Then uh, let's go to the West. We've got the Stamps at Mosaic against the Rough Riders. Fajardo off of his little rest last week. It is a tight line, too. Uh, It's a close line. The Stamps are not favored. But... Saskatchewan's Saskatchewan's so it's a two-point line so they're a two-point dog Saskatchewan is only getting the favorite in this one because they're the home team and because they're I I would say like because they're the home team because they're the higher seed technically and uh because of Mosaic I, I feel like Mosaic is giving them the the minus two here but I'm I think you're gonna agree with me I would hammer down on the Calgary Stampeders no what yes the stamps are hot <laughs> as hell <laughs> wait are you actually saying no or are you going to come back around and agree with me on this i want to agree with you but at the that same was a very time, firm I just, no i just want to be a pain in the ass uh no I, I honestly like the stamps are the hottest team in football right now but at what time do they start to cool off like saskatchewan for when they play winnipeg season? that's when they cool off which would be next week. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, but no, with Saskatchewan, I can, the receiving court is just so talented. I know Kyron Moore is now out, uh, but they've had enough injuries on the receiving court that they've gotten other guys' key reps this year. And I think it's going to just 
kind of click finally for Fajardo and gang. They've been in this kind of like slump and I'm just waiting for them to break out. Yeah. I mean, like I'm not overly worried about Kyra Moore being out for the remainder with, with that hand injury, but like, sorry, I, I, I'm okay with Kyra Moore being out for what looks like to be the, the remainder of the playoffs with that hand injury, because, you know, yeah, we've talked a lot about KSB and Braden Linnaeus, but Duke Williams has been having himself a hell of a run through the last couple games of the season. Like he has been playing lights out and he's looked like Fajardo's best friend when he's putting the ball in the air. He has been. And KSB has had his rookie moments, but he's also shown flashes of just pure brilliance. I don't know. Just part of me wants to go with Saskatchewan, despite Calgary being such a hot team. Maybe it is but the most. What about, what about Calgary's? Yeah, maybe. But what about Calgary's secondary? Like that was that was a good secondary, even without Trey Roberson in it. I know it's scary. That was a back. That is that is a terrifying pickup. But I don't know. There's just I just can't get all the way around Calgary. I know Isaac Adiemi Berglund's been playing lots of snaps for them as well. The, the rookie, uh, he's been playing pretty well. But I don't know, man. There's just something that's like pulling on my heartstrings saying bet riders bet riders maybe it's jay dearborn i don't know it could be i mean it could be that 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 interception against edmonton was electric but yeah no like they played a lot of teams very closely and i don't know there's just something about this slump that i feel like it's gonna it's got to break and maybe it's this week and maybe it's not but i i just have a feeling there's something coming uh okay i guess we're gonna go on opposite ends of this bet because i really do think this is where calgary continues their streak of brilliance um they've looked damn good uh late in the season i'm not gonna say they've looked damn good all season because they're an absolute train wreck to start the season but since they've really picked it up i mean bo levi mitchell in his return has been arguably the second to third best quarterback in the league uh, on any given week, his receivers have been playing outstanding. Kadeem Carey is not like this 100-yard back like Will Stanback is, but Kadeem Carey is the workhorse back that's going to give you first downs and power through you know, aggressive fronts when you need him to. And then the receivers are some of the most electric receivers in the league. They can turn a slant to a touchdown like nobody's business. I just – I don't know. I don't know – I think this game is Saskatchewan. so odd because both teams should be very good, but Calgary's yeah. on the hot streak, Saskatchewan's not, and we're just like you don't know what to make of it because at any given moment this team could snap out of their hot streak or snap out of their slump. Okay, here's here's what scares me though. I'll give you what like scares me about Saskatchewan and what scares me about Calgary. What scares me about Saskatchewan is their offensive line. What scares me about Calgary is Darnell Sankey coming through that offensive line. <laughs> Very to the point. Uh, but It's when, true, though. Like, that guy's a monster. But we will see the winner of those games have to take on the Argos and the Blue Bombers, respectively, in their conferences. Uh, those games will be next week. But that is all for this week's CFL picks. We've got... Josiah Joseph joining us now to start talking about the UTEC Bowl, which is going to be the Montreal Carabae hosting the Saskatchewan Huskies. Joining us now, Josiah Joseph, quarterback of the Calgary Dinos, one of the nation's leaders in yards per game. 
yards per attempt. You know, he had lots of receiving yards, lots of touchdowns to spread out to his guys. Uh, Josiah, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, before uh, before we do get into breaking down the UTEC Bowl coming up, we do want to ask you just kind of your your overall thoughts on the season, and you know, from your viewpoint, um, you know how you how you did like personally, and then kind of how you, how you thought you guys played as well. Yeah, I, th- I think the season was just uh, with the shortened season, every game really mattered, and I fa- I feel like we were just slow, kind of hitting our stride. Uh, come came out very strong against Saskatchewan in game one, and and kind of put the conference on notice. And then with uh, Regina opponent the next week, they did a really good job of game planning and, and just sending pressure and, and making sure that we didn't have time to throw the ball. Um, they were fired up too. Uh, Mosaic's a really tough place to play. But overall in the season, I think it was just a few mistakes on all three sides of the ball. Offensively, you know, going two and out when we really need to drive because there was a few times where they, defense – uh, the opposing defense got big stops on us and, and we got a blocked punt or, or we didn't get a good punt. So field position this year was sometimes uh, a bit of a battle and we made some key mistakes on offense and some key mistakes on defense just here and there throughout games that kind of really ended up with us just losing those close ones. I think if you look at the schedule, and I know it's kind of funny watching uh, everyone get so mad when we're ranked top 10, I get a kick out of it. Look, if we're ranked nine or 10, we don't want to be there. Like, like everyone's arguing, we're not sitting there. Hey guys, we're ranked number nine in the country. Our expectation is, is to be the best and um, not really care about the U sports ranking, but if those games we lost to, to Alberta by six, we lost to uh, Saskatchewan by seven in that final game. We lost to um, Manitoba by eight and we, we were up 17, two at half. So there's just a couple times where, you know, we just kind of let, let it slip away, uh, against Regina. We were tied 14, 14 with two minutes left in the half. We go into the half down two scores, just catastrophic special teams and, and big plays, uh, made by their offense, just kind of with a short field, just kind of, we kind of imploded a little bit. And I, I feel that, we had a lot of newcomers, a lot of young guys that were, were learning the ropes and um, just kind of needed to learn that, hey, it's in the Canada West, any any given day, anything can happen. Like these teams, they play very well against the Dinos. Every year, they circle our games on the calendar. I, I remember I watched a, a Regina Rams senior video and they were kind of interviewing what's your greatest moments and, and two out of the five or six players said beating Calgary in 2016, which I was there for, and in 20. And, and 2021 this year so it people get up to play the dinos they want to beat the dinos everybody wants to beat us and um so you got to show up to play and I, I just think on the road we let it slip away a little bit and then uh, personally i think um although as a as a fifth year guy you know i've been in the program i only had one start uh prior to this and i feel um came out really played a really good game against saskatchewan but it was an rpo kind of game uh a little bit of drop back pass, but it was a lot of just in my element of uh, just quick stuff, a couple deep shots, a couple deep crossers. And then with um, Regina and Manitoba, they kind of got after me a lot and uh, didn't give me as much time. So I was a little uncomfortable sometimes. And if I could uh, go back, I would just be a bit more confident in myself, especially in that Manitoba game in the, in the second half. I was pretty upset with how I finished it off, but um, looking over the film, I mean, 
I feel like I could have had a lot better of a statistical year, but like I was talking to Pat, he said, you know, like we, to be in some of these close games, we were, we were asking to be 80% or more, you know what I mean? And, and uh, unfortunately, you can all, everyone is human. You can only do so much in your power and it just, uh, yeah, it didn't work out in those close games. Absolutely. And when you look at, I mean, we'll start to get more towards the conversation that we're going to, which is the UTEC ball. But when you look at your two games against Saskatchewan, what were some things that their defense really did well against you guys and some things that you guys really took advantage of? Yeah. So what they did really well is uh, their front seven is phenomenal. Uh, Pickett, Cherry, Leggett, even their fourth and fifth guys coming in, their, their bodies and they can move. Um, very athletic up front. Cherry from, from 2019 to 2021 was a big difference. That guy put in some work. Um, uh, so hats off to those guys. They're linebackers. They fly around. Saskatchewan has always had nose to the football, hard-hitting guys, and, and the addition of Nick Weeb which I'm pretty sure you're supposed to come to Calgary, but couldn't get him into the business school or something like that. Um, but he comes downhill, he plays hard. And uh, once he kind of got a grip of the Canadian game, he made a big difference because the first week we played him, you could tell, you know, bigger field, he was getting used to it. But in that last game, he was just flying around. And so I think with their defense is they do a lot of twisting up front they'll send five or six. So you technically you have enough guys to block them if you're in even a one back pass situation, but the way they twist and, and how downhill they come and uh, the way they mix it up with their backers, they usually get one guy free or they get a one-on-one matchup with Pickett or, or Cherry or even Weeb. And a lot of the times they're going to win that just because those guys are studs. Um, in the secondary, you know, they had a, a pretty Pretty solid secondary. I think um, uh, number three, Charlie Ringland, was a very good cover guy. Uh, one of my one of my friends, Clovis Lameca, I played Team BC with. He's been at uh, Sask the same amount of time I've been at the Dinos. So he's a rover. He played the rover. Um, bigger guy could come down and get into the run. They had him in the box a lot. And uh, other than that, I think you know against us, they like to to play cover four variants and uh, and and stay soft and kind of dare me to take the wide side out throw a lot. I find, I find with that scheme, they would go cover four cut weak. So they would bring the boundary corner down high half and then into the field that little flat was the area they were going to give up. And I, and I feel like a lot of quarterbacks don't want to make that throw uh, or if they do it, it takes a bit of time to get there so they can rally. But I feel like one of the reasons I could be successful against them is because, you know, I was stinging it out there right away, getting 10 yards. So they kind of had to switch up and go into there are other coverages, which are mostly match pattern read kind of covers, turns into man. But um, smartly, they didn't do that against us too much. <laughs> um, but uh, watching film with some of the other teams, they did a good job at playing their match coverages where they could just uh, play a bit more man. Yeah, never a good idea to try and match up against the Phil Potts, Nate Durkin, you know. Uh, (laughs) not a great look on that, but when you talk about, uh, their run defense, how are you guys able to talk them in the run game? Yeah. So what we usually do is we have a, it's just a, a nose trap play where we have a fullback come trap the nose and let our, let our big guys get North, um, and get, and get to the second level because Calgary, we have some big linemen here. So, you know, just getting them hands on, 
uh, up the field was was big for us. So we had a lot of those um, stretch plays worked really well for us. But Saskatchewan does have a very uh, athletic front, and compared to the other teams in the conference, it was harder to run the stretch on. But they did a really good job. I noticed they had some double double B formations, uh, and then they'd bring down the linebackers, or they'd even mug up and do a double A. It was just they did a lot of different fronts, um, different like forty strong, forty weak, so different like forty fronts. Uh, sometimes they'd play a thirty front just because you know to get an extra guy in coverage or or have an extra backer back there. But we didn't run the ball as well as we we wanted to in that final game. But in the first game, I think we rushed for like two hundred yards, and I think a key key to that was. Uh, a, a rookie running back, Javier Williams, you probably heard the name um, coming into the game. One of our fastest backs, a guy that just takes the ball, hits the hole hard and is fast and can make people miss. So coming into the fourth quarter, first game of the season, guys are, aren't as aren't as uh, in shape as they are towards the end. And he just was explosive. So I think just having a plethora of pretty talented backs at Calgary to, to rotate in, make sure everyone's fresh uh, really helped. All right, so I guess now looking looking towards the the UTech matchup, you just gave us kind of a bit of the rundown on on Sask, who is a conference opponent. Uh, but the team that they have to go play now is uh, the Montreal Caravan, who we all know in 2019, you guys beat to win your Vanier Cup. So what does I, I mean? Looking at Montreal, it's a little bit of a different team this year. I guess they they kind of have. Uh, solidified the quarterback position where they're kind of going through this carousel uh, the year that you guys matched up against them. But what are, what were your kind of takeaways from, from what Montreal did in 2019? You know, some, some of the things I felt that they did in 2019 were a little bit similar to Sask. They, they did play a lot of cover four and brought pressure and had um, a few secondary blitzes. I mean, when we played them, they had a, a good front seven as well and, and linebackers that could really get after the quarterback. So I think they mixed pressure with softness really well. And they're good run stoppers. They're big guys. And in the Quebec conference, they're no stranger to other big uh, opponents, older guys, tough guys. So uh, to me, it was a little bit similar. Uh, you know, just a, a tough team, a tough, because a lot of the Saskatchewan guys, uh, come from the hilltops they come from junior they're a bit older so very kind of similar in, in my opinion defensively where you know it's just it's a battle because you're gonna have to fight for every yard here and um it's gonna be interesting because like you said i i feel like montreal solidified the quarterback spot um definitely with it being one guy it's, they're getting more production out of it um i'm not gonna knock the the guy in 2019 because I'm with the Sun, I played with the two quarterback system, and you need to be somebody. Has, somebody has to have the confidence into you, in you, so you can be the guy. So I think now that they finally solidified it, he's he's playing well. I, I I've kept track of quite a bit during the season, and he looked like he had a really good season. So that's a big uh, that's a big plus for Montreal. I think with that defense and and they had a really good uh, running game when we played them with Gerard. Gerard, or I can't remember how to pronounce it, but uh, it looks like they have some other running backs now, but they, same thing, just going to be a, it's going to be a really good game, I think. And uh, these teams match up pretty well. And it's going to be interesting to see, because, you know, it's been two years. How, how well 
is the West and going to match up with uh, Quebec this year because every year it could be different. You know, it looked pretty competitive in the West, but were we just all really good or were we all just slipping a little bit? And uh, that's a kind of a point Pat made was it's time to see how good our conference as a whole is when Saskatchewan goes and plays Montreal. And let's talk about traveling into Quebec. You guys were fortunate enough in 2019 to host the national semifinal, but you had to travel the week after. Now you guys went early, but how was it getting adjusted to the weather, getting adjusted to the fields, just like the whole trip of going into Quebec to play a football game? Yeah. Um, so we flew into Montreal and then drove to Quebec city. Um, and we practice inside. Laval's got that inside yeah. uh, soccer field. So that was, a, it was a little weird because it's smaller, but, and, and unfamiliar, but uh, it definitely was nice not practicing in the cold all week. I mean, in Calgary, we're used to it. And especially hosting that, uh, the Mitchell bowl, it was, it was cold in the playoffs, you know, it, it was minus 20 some days. This year would have been perfect to make a deep run because it hasn't been that cold in Calgary, <laughs> which is just another insult to injury. Um, but uh, no, it, it, it was nice. And um it was just a different mindset, you know, like we had our struggles early on in 2019. We were a bit slow offensively to get going and find our stride. And, and we had a very, very good defense, very good defense. Um, and great, great O-line, great receivers, great running back, great quarterback. You know, ev everyone was doing their job. And, and near the end of the season, it was, we were such a brotherhood and uh, the camaraderie was, was, was there and, it was just a, a focused mindset. You know, we were going to enjoy it, but we're here for a purpose. And we felt like it was the, t it was time. It was time to get the monkey off our back. And, you know, it was, uh, we've, we've been in close games. So it wasn't like uh, previous years where maybe, you know, we're winning by 40 and 50. We were fighting for games. Like we beat Regina, I think week 227 and uh, lost to Sask and, and, and lost to Manitoba, got pumped in Manitoba. Yes. So it was, it, it, was a, it was a good season because, you know, right when we were we were on the rise, we got slapped in the mouth because we took our foot off the gas and we were two lakhs of days ago on the road, got slapped and said, hey, can't do that. Like that's like Manitoba's got our number now. Like that's, they got confidence now and, and what turned out to be a crazy semifinal. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they, they were hyped up they just handed us a loss two weeks, two weeks prior. And we're like, we're coming for you. So I think um, to, to kind of circle back, uh, we just had a really good mindset going into that week and just kind of we're playing together and enjoying the moment. Saskatchewan's now got to turn around and go into a pretty hostile environment. Except some stadium in Montreal. I don't know if you've played there, but it's an absolute nightmare. So, okay. So Wade and I talked about this last week, but like, they have a hockey arena like five floors below where the football field is and you get changed in the hockey arena and then you got to walk five flights of stairs up to the field and then you come out of the tunnel you come out of like the, the you come you come out of the fire exit to go onto the field and the stands are overhanging where you walk out and they're basically like I don't know, I would say less than a meter behind you. Like there's padding on the walls so that like guys are safe if they run into the benches. So Saskatchewan's got to go play in this ridiculous environment in Montreal. What do you think that, and you talked about having a, a good mindset going into these games. What do you think that is going to be something that Sask has to do that's going to be absolutely vital, like right out of the gate? Because 
this is going to be a very loud and very boisterous Montreal crowd. Like they're, they're here for the caravan. Yeah. Uh, that, wow. That sounds so much fun. Um, I've, I've seen that stadium and I, I wish I got to play there, but I think right off the get go is, you know, feed off that energy. Um, I mean, I, I, there's going to be some guys on the team from 2018 that, that played Western that, you know, have been in this game before. So I think just for them, it, it's coming off hot. It's, it's, you know, don't wait till the first quarter to wake up and um, right off the kickoff. I, I find that special team, the opening kickoff is so important, especially if you're kicking off. And if you, if you run down, you make a hit on the 20 yard line, that sets the whole momentum train in your favor. And um, so for them, it's just, you know, be in the moment and, and just play like, you know, how you can play because there's going to be fans. There's going to be, they're going to play better in their stadium. You know, you might not get your calls, but you know, it's a, uh, it's at the end of the day, it's just football. And, and if, if I was there, I would be telling my players to feed off this energy. Like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. You're going to be talking about this for the rest of your life. So let's just make sure the story has a, has a happy ending. So I, I think it'll be a good game. I'm, I'm very excited to watch. Do you have a prediction to make before we let you go? Uh, I don't, I don't know because if uh, I know how I would try to counter Saskatchewan, um, but I don't know if Montreal can do it. I haven't watched a lot of their films. So for me, it's, can they stop the run? Uh, they have Mackert and Uinchina, who is very good as well. Mm-hmm. Like that guy is a stud. Like he's just as good as Mackert. They're, they're two different players and they're just so well-rounded. Even their, their third string, I shouldn't call it third string. They, they rotate running backs like we do. Uh, number 34, it was, you know, every year they're just breeding running backs there. So if they can stop, if Montreal can stop the run and force Nias to, to pick them apart, I think that's their best chance. Nias can throw the ball and does have weapons too. But when we played them, we'd, when we force them into second long situations, you know, the one thing I'll tip my hat to him is, he one, he has a lot of time back there. And two, he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't, he won't force a lot of things. You know, he'll throw to the guy, and if, if it's not open, he'll try to extend the play, and then he'll throw it away. He threw it away a lot against us, and you know what? It's like if he would have thrown up some of those, maybe we would have had some more turnovers, but he's very smart at that. So I think that's the key is just making sure you keep him. Uh, you stop the run game. But prediction-wise, uh, I don't really know. I'm still a little bit upset that we lost. Um, I think Montreal's got the edge right now, but I don't know because Saskatchewan played really well. They played really well, and uh, I think we should have we should have beat them in that last game and and played them in the week one of playoffs, which I don't think they wanted because um, I thought we were we were the better team, but we were only the better team in, in at moments. They, you know, that they, they played they played good football and they, and stuff. So I think Montreal has the upper hand just because you know they they were in this game in twenty nineteen. Um, Sound, sounds like they have a lot of guys returning. They have a better quarterback uh, who's playing better. And I think if you watch the game in 2019, there was a couple throws that would have made it a closer game on both sides. But I think I think we got after that quarterback. So it's going to be a good game. I'm going to predict it pretty close. I'd say somewhere around like 30-24 for Montreal, something like that. I think it's going to be 
not an extremely high scoring game because I feel like both teams are going to have a lot of time of possession and long drives, but I think it's going to be a good game. And with that, thank you very much, Josiah Joseph, quarterback of the Calgary Downers, for joining us to help preview the UTEC Bowl. Yeah, thanks for having me. And once again, a big thank you to Josiah for allowing us to to talk to him about the teams that, you know, he really wishes he was just playing against again, but uh, he had one hell of a year for the Dinos. We do want to take this moment to let you know that Sawdust City Brewing Company offers you brewery fresh beer delivered directly to your door. Visit their website at sawdustcitybrewing at sawdustcitybeer.com to shop their wide variety of brews and to learn more. This November, CFP listeners, before it's gone, free shipping on your first order over $100 with the code CFL. Shipping is available to Ontario residents only, must be of legal drinking age. And as we get into the playoffs, you can stay ready with Fox 40 offering with Fox 40, the worldwide leaders in whistle technology, tons of great products like the Tri-Layer Whistle Mask, the Whistle Gator, the Sonic Blast CMG Whistle, and tons of great stuff like hoodies, caps, coaching boards, accessories, all of that on their website at fox40shop.com. And while you're there, you can use code CFP15 at checkout to get 15% off of your order on any of those great products mentioned before. Thank you so much to Josiah Joseph for jumping on with us. You know, he's a great dude, very smart, as you could tell from, from that preview. I mean, why why let us two goons preview that game when we can just bring on a Cam West quarterback to do it for us? I mean, hey, saves us some saves us some thinking for the week, too. And uh, let's look now at the Mitchell Bowl, where we have the Western Mustangs hosting the St. Francis Xavier X-Men. X over the last two weeks, yes, they have rode the bus. And thank you to the St. FX fan base for paying attention to Ray Perkin when he coined the ride the bus term. Uh, I feel like it was inevitable, though. Like, that that had to happen at some point. You know, for partying school, I'm surprised they didn't come up with it sooner. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, Disappointed in you. Better late than never. The bus is being rode all the way into London where they will, you know, try to patch up the cracks in their armor that they've shown the last couple of weeks as they've been gashed in the run game. Yeah, um, I don't know if they're going to accomplish that this week. They're running into a pretty damn good Western Mustangs team. But yes, they have been, uh, X, I should say, has been, you know, the best team in the Atlantic Conference all year, 6-0. and They've looked very good throughout this playoff run but they've also shown where they've been been vulnerable they've been you know slow to start at times slow to get the ball moving um it didn't it, it took them until really the second half of that bishops game the loney bull to start really taking over same story in in the acadia game like it, it has taken them a bit to kind of gain and hold the momentum but once they get it it's undeniable now i and coming up against uh, a, a team like western you're not going to be able to afford to start slow. We saw what happened when Queens got off to a bit of a slow start against Western. It was 14 nothing before you knew it. And I mean, they only gave up 117 rush yards uh, last week, four yards a carry. But the week before, 273 from Acadia. So 
Western's a team that is going to pound the rock. Keon, Trey Humes, you guys know the recipe for success at this point for the Western Mustangs, but that's seemingly sliding right up the alley on how to take down X. Yeah, I mean, the, the way that Western is going to do this is essentially the same thing that they did to Queens. You're going to have to be solid on your back end because we know that Silas Fagnan is going to put the ball in the air. Um, he's going to do that a little bit more than James Keenan did. Uh, I, I think wet, I think X is a little bit more, um, I don't want to say like willing to let their quarterback throw, but they game plan it a little bit more. Like they know what they have in, in some of the receivers uh, downfield as well. So they can, they, they are afforded the luxury to kind of put the ball in the air 25 ish times a game. So I, I think that that is going to be a bit of a wrinkle that, western will see from x but it's not something that western is incapable of dealing with uh especially considering that rory kelly is on the back end of that western mustangs defense and where did rory oh yeah he's a transfer from acadia guess who he's seen before a gary waterman x team that's only going to benefit i for me, Santa Fax, if you're going to win this game, it's going to be a shootout. You're going to have to be throwing the ball all over the park. Silas to Isaac Fagnan, Zachariah Kareem. You're going to have to get the guys involved early, over the top. But that is boom or bust. You're either going to hit and gash Western's defense or you're going to have interceptions. You're going to have two and outs because you're taking those deep shots. I just I just am so concerned with them taking those shots, but that's how they're going to have to attack this team and how they're going to have to win the game. They're basically going to have to force Western to play keep up, right? Like Western, we all know Western is built on this run game. X is going to have to key on the run. I don't care about Western putting the ball in the air. I really don't. If I'm if I'm X, I can't care about Western putting the ball in the air. You need to make sure that Keon Edwards and Trey Humes do not get over three yards of carry. Your primary focus has to be stopping that run game. If Western is then reliant on putting the ball in the air, which we saw, again, it was like very early on in the season, but when we saw Guelph take away, when we saw Guelph take away the Western run game, it led to a win because Western was forced to put the ball in the air. Now that was with Jackson White versus Evan Hillick, but it's going to be the key to an X win, I think, is going to be to throw the ball a lot, force Western to throw the ball with you and take away the ability of, of Keon Edwards and Trey Humes. Is that attainable? I don't know. Now, if you're Western, though, this is kind of like you start to kind of get a little giddy sitting back there because if you know they're going to have to sell out for the run, you have guys like Savon Magne-Jones and Brett Ellerman in particular that are going to get open and have, like, Brett Ellerman has playoff experience. He has killed teams in the playoffs. Brett Ellerman's going to have 100 yards against X. Yeah, because all I'm saying is fake handoff, over the top, Brett Ellerman on a crosser. You're either going to have the safety bite up and hit him over the top, or the safety's going to be playing so far back throw it underneath to them like throw it in between the safety and the linebackers who are going to be bit up because you have to play so hard against the run like to me that's you're biting your chops at that you are hoping that they are trying to sell out for your run game because Savon Magna Jones on the outside 
So you get a simple screen. You get one-on-one with Savon Magne Jones. Like, come on, who wouldn't want that? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, as much as I'm harping on X selling out for the run, which I, again, like I'm, I'm going to stay firm on that. I think that's what they have to do, but yeah, you're right. If you're, if you're Western, if you're, if you're Greg Marshall and you notice early on that X is loading the box and sending guys after you to try to stop that run, pull one and hit them where it's going to do damage, pull one and throw it in behind those linebackers in that coverage. Like, on that I, note, I, it's going to be tough. <laughs> and on that note, prediction time, Connor. Wow. Okay. Um, all right. All right. All right. In the UTEC bowl, I'm going against JJ. Um, I think he was just, I think what he said about Montreal is, is we made some good points, made some good points, but I got to go with Sask. Uh, I'm going to go with Sask in a close one in that one. I think it's going to be cold. I think it's going to be windy. Uh, so I think that one's going to be a little bit low scoring. I think that's going to be like, call it. I think that's going to be like a 24, 20 game in favor of Saskatchewan. And then okay. I'm with you on, I, you know what? I am with you on that one. I'm going to say 24, 21 though. Just I'll, I'll okay, give you the cover. Fair. All right, all right. Uh, I'm with you on that one. It's supposed to be snowing. FYI, I will be there sidelines for CFP. We got you guys covered out in Montreal. And let's talk about Western X score prediction. I'm guessing you're going to say Western wins. Yes. I'm going with the Western Mustangs in this one. Um, Yeah. Um, What am I going to say in this one? I'm going 38 nothing win for Western. Oh my. 38 nothing. I'm going to say 42 14. Okay. But we're going to have like three Trey touchdowns or three Keon touchdowns, one for Trey Humes, and two passing, both to Brett Ellerman. <laughs> Brett Ellerman's going for 100 yards and two scores. <laughs> Book it. If we could put lines up. <laughs> His over in reception would be like three, two and a half. I'd smash the over on that one. Uh, but that concludes it for today for Connor and I. Connor gets to have the nice luxury weekend of stressing over whether Aiden Hutchison is going to single-handedly win for Michigan this week or if it will be same old, same old Ohio State win in the game. Do you know how many days it's been since Michigan has beat Ohio State? <clears throat> Uh, it's like up over 1,500, isn't it? Do you want to know exactly how many days it's been since Michigan has beaten Ohio State? Yes. It has been. So, what? sorry, what, what did you say? 1,500 was my guess. Uh, Ballparked. Ballpark. Okay. Um, not even close. It has been 3,600. And 48 days since the Michigan Wolverines have beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. It has been 10 years, 10 years since the Michigan Wolverines last beat Ohio State. Do I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to single-handedly beat Ohio State? Not while Jim Harbaugh is the head coach. Oh, my God. Oh, Okay. (laughs) The only okay, listen, we're gonna talk some NCAA football here before we let people go. Uh we were about way, to leave, and then I said that, and Wade said, Okay, 
Hold the only on. way teams have been able to slow down Ohio State this year is with front four pressure. Like, if you can just send four and control the line of scrimmage, what does Michigan do better than any other team in the damn country? They send four and control the line of scrimmage. Exactly. Okay? This is, this is as good of a chance as you have had in the last decade. I said that to you earlier this year. I think it can happen. I am a I believer. Don't. I am a I'm believer. not. I'm going to wear khakis on Saturday just for you. No, I'm not wearing khakis. It is going to be very I cold. I dare you. I don't even think I own a pair of khakis. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you don't have khakis? Khakis? I don't have don't any boss specials. Uh, but as always, you guys know where to find us at Connor R. O'Neill, at Wade Zank, at CF Perspective. Enjoy your weekend of football. I will be in Montreal. Connor will be dying on the couch. In the, in the offices of TSN. <laughs> Connor's going to need like a personal break room just to like vent after Michigan plays, whether it's good or bad. He will need a personal break room. Uh, They honestly like might have to like switch me to working remote depending on the outcome of that game. Actually, no, (laughs) regardless of the outcome of that game. If Michigan wins, I'm going to be the most obnoxious person in the building for the rest of the day. And if Michigan loses, you won't be able to hear about, you won't be able to hear the end of whatever bull crap call I didn't like that day. There needs to be someone hiding anything related to jim harbaugh in tsn like if there's a pair of khakis just someone has to go change connor's going to be very aggressive if michigan wins i will show up to work in a navy blue golf shirt and khakis please with glasses i will if michigan wins i will with glasses yes and and a whistle okay deal let's go if michigan wins go blue (laughs) if michigan wins i will do it Go Blue. Have a good weekend, everyone. Enjoy the Canadian football playoffs and the games.